Welcome in to a special bonus episode of Home Field Advantage. Hope you're all having a great week or weekend wherever or however you may be listening to this podcast across our great country or our great land. And from St. John, New Brunswick to St. Petersburg, Russia to St. Petersburg, Florida to Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Hope you're all having a good time as we head toward U.S. Thanksgiving. My name is Will Highland. It is November 17th, 2023, special Friday night pod. Don't try and do one on Sunday or Monday prior to the Thanksgiving holiday, and then we'll have to revisit it as the week progresses. But nonetheless, I'm here with a bonus pod. As you can probably tell from my voice, I'm in a good mood. It's Friday night, and there's only three more days before we get to the Thanksgiving holiday, which, by the way, might be a very might be a very underrated holiday. Everyone always talks about like Christmas and the Fourth of July and Halloween and St. Patty's Day or whatever, and those are all good holidays. But something about Thanksgiving just sort of feels right. You know, it just feels right to me. Um, I love everything that stands for family, food, faith, football, all that stuff. Um, and so maybe that's a reason why I tend to have a soft spot for it. Literally and figuratively. All right. Where do I want to begin today? Where I So I've gotten a little bit of criticism from my listeners over the past about not talking about basketball enough. And to be real, I'm just not a big basketball guy. Like, I'm a short dude. Like, I was picked last at recess when it came to, you know, basketball uh, <laughs> talent. Uh, I was not the kid you wanted on your team. Uh, in fact, even in college, when I played intramural basketball, I came off the bench maybe in the fourth quarter. And in fact, if you ask people I went to college with, I was most famous on the basketball court for getting my ankles broken by the assistant men's basketball coach who happened to be also playing in this intramural league. So I, I'm just not a big basketball guy. I like college basketball during March. Um, I'll watch the NBA finals. Um, you know, I'll root for the Celtics, but I'm just not a big basketball guy. But what might change that for me is the introduction of Cooper flag into the, into the fold. Now, for those of you who have been living under a rock in the sports world, or at least in Maine, in our sports world, for the last couple of years, Cooper Flag may be the best athlete to ever come from the state of Maine, period. And that's saying a lot considering that like Seth Westcott from Farmington, Maine has won a handful of, uh, I think, at least a couple Olympic gold medals. We also have uh, players who have played in Major League Baseball and the NFL Um and the NHL, actually, Brian Dumoulin has won a couple Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oliver Wallstrom currently plays for the uh, New York Islanders, I believe. Um, and uh, he, he is from Maine. Garnet Hathaway played for the Bruins last year. He's from Maine. So we, have, we do have a footprint in pro sports. Um, but when it comes to basketball, that's, that's sort of a new frontier. Now, some folks have come to Maine. Uh, and played at our prep schools, but they they weren't born here. And I don't want to sound nativist here, but like this is a big deal. Cooper Flag is the real deal in terms of amateur basketball. Uh, in fact, a couple of years ago, 
when he was a freshman, that happened to be the only year he played high school basketball in Maine. And he, he, as a freshman, he was absolutely dominating. Um, and that has continued. A lot of people back then were a little bit of skeptics and they kept saying, well, wait until he plays real competition. Wait until this, wait until that. Well, what I've seen like in the hoop online world, um, in the highlights that I've seen in the, the camps that he's gone to and the stories that have surfaced around Cooper flag, this guy's the real deal. And there, there was a lot of talk early on in the summer when he reclassified and joined the class of 2024. And what that means is that instead of being a natural junior like he is now, and he has since left Maine and gone to Monteverde Academy in Florida, Flag will be a, um, a coll- collegiate-eligible player next year, which has led to the big drama about his commitment. And he is committed to Duke. And Duke is, as we all know, a basketball powerhouse, right? You know, up right up there with UConn, Kansas, and UCLA, and Wisconsin, and Indiana, and Kentucky, and all those other blue blood schools, even UNC. I uh, can't forget them. So throughout like the last decade or so, like they've been right up there with everybody else. And they have that history. And Cooper Flag is going to Duke. Now, there's a lot of people that also think he'll be one and done at Duke and will end up going to the NBA in the 2025 draft. I think that's a strong likelihood. I think he'll be 18 or 19 at that point. Um, I I would not rule that out. But here's why I want to talk about Cooper Flag. It's not often that I go read Slate.com to begin with, um, because if I wanted a steaming hot pile of garbage of a news website, there's plenty of other places to look online for that. Um, and that's quite frankly, what slate is. Um, it's a bunch of people who have an opinion and think that their opinion is the only opinion in the world. Um, but that said, this did catch my eye on Facebook today. So I went ahead and I read the article during my lunch break. Um, and one of the things that jumps out to me is, uh, that Cooper Flag is already being vilified, much like Grayson Allen or uh, Latner or any of these other, um, uh, frankly, white college basketball players have been. The dude's not even out of high school yet, and he hasn't even stepped on the floor um, in 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 North Carolina to play for Duke. But here's here's I'm just going to read you the first the first. Uh, paragraph from this Slate article written by a guy named Luke Winkle. Uh, Talk about an interesting name. This, of course, was actually written over two weeks ago, and I'm just now reading it. So uh, maybe I'm the one that was living under a rock. But anyway, here's here's the first paragraph uh, from Winkle's article on Slate.com about Cooper Flagg. Quote, when Cooper Flagg, the most hyped 16-year-old basketball player on the planet, and a lanky white kid with a tussle of blonde hair from the microscopic township of Newport, Maine, reclassified to the 2024 collegiate class earlier this year. Everyone braced for the worst. Sure enough, while Flag entertained an avalanche of recruitment offers from big deal programs, including UConn, Georgia, and Michigan, he announced on Monday, this would have, I think, been October 30th, that he'd taken the red pill and will be playing for the Duke Blue Devils, the widely loathed upper crust crucible of Mid-South rich kids and Caucasian hardwood prospects. Let me just stop there. They've like mentioned his race three times, which is a little bit weird to me. Um, 
I, maybe that goes with the Duke stereotype. I'm not a big basketball, college basketball, like hardo. So I don't really have a huge opinion. Like I said, I basically only watch March Madness, but I just found that a little strange. I mean, anybody who's ever been to Newport, Maine <laughs> won't be surprised by any of this. Um, he went on to, uh, Winkle went on to write, quote, it's a turn of events that it's inevitable, poetic, and supremely evil. Flag is now both the latest in a long line of terrorizing, aesthetically oppressive white, here we go again, basketball players to pass through Duke and also, without a doubt, the biggest, strongest, and most athletically gifted talent to ever fit that specific mold. I'm just going to pause here again. They're absolutely right. Go watch the tape if you haven't already. This dude is an animal. He is a stud. Then he went on to write, he absolutely blows the sauceless low vertical fundamentals of a J.J. Redick or a Christian Latner out of the water. In other words, Flag is a Disney Channel original movie villain come to life. His region is go or excuse me, his reign is going to be unbearable and honestly, I can't wait. So, they're already making him out to be a villain, uh, excuse me, a villain. Um, it goes on to say uh you know, a lot talk a lot about his race again. Going to talk a lot about Duke and their you know status as villain heavy, um, and how many white people make up has have made up the uh, Duke rosters in the past, um, and uh, and basically and basically just continue on to talk a lot about his race, which I again find weird, um, but I guess that's the point they're trying to make. Um, to me, this is the, the first paragraph is really the most interesting because they they label him a villain simply because that he's going to Duke and then he's a white kid, which I find strange. But they're they're basically linking him to Grayson Allen, who yes was a villain and was a white dude. Um, but it just seems weird to me. Um, I I don't have a huge opinion. I don't think his race matters um, personally. Uh, I just think he's a really good basketball player. And if the dude was African American or Asian or Hispanic or what or what have you, and he was from Maine, I think Mainers would still be super pumped about having this guy be one of our own. Um, and I think as a Mainer and as somebody who loves sports, and you know, I have the main flag behind me. I am all about this. And I know he's left and gone to Monteverde in Florida, but that's what he needed to do in order to get the exposure and prove the people wrong that thought it was just him dominating local kids. Well, he's dominating the world now. Um, and I think people are waking up and rightly maybe pointing out that uh, he he's going to be a force in college. Um, I just find the villainization of him before he even gets out of high school to be basically on point with what Slate does to everybody. Um, and they're already creating a narrative around this kid, which shows you that he might actually be the real deal. Like if there's a narrative forming as you're a uh, high school kid, then that's an indication that there's possibly uh, a huge ceiling for you in the future. All right. Speaking of narrative pushing, all right. Another weird story that has sort of popped up this week since I last recorded was that Teresa Thompson, I I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Maybe it's just Carissa Thompson. She works for Fox Sports. She's a uh, sideline reporter, primarily for football. Um, it was reported, um, and she actually said it herself on the um, Pardon My Take show, I believe, um, with Barstool, where I'm not going to read that quote, um, but she was basically going along the lines of saying um, that she takes 
journalistic liberty, uh, putting it mildly, when it comes to her sideline reports and that sometimes she makes things up. Um, she has since walked this back and said it was a wrong choice of words, but the damage is already done. I mean, there were countless people who I respect in the business, people like Tracy Wolfson and Catherine Tappan, who were very outspoken on Twitter about how it was a bad thing um, that that she admitted this, and that um, and then some people even went as far as saying she should be fired or she should be suspended. Um, I. I tend to, um, sorry, sorry about that text. I tend to sort of take the middle here. Like, was it a good look? No, it's a bad look. If you're a journalist and, you know, millions of people are watching you, then you should, you know, report on the facts. Um, and if a coach isn't giving you anything, maybe you just say, you know, hey, Al, hey, Chris, or whomever, I guess. Uh, you know, they didn't get a um, chance to get a good word from coach, but, you know, here's what I saw on the sideline. And, um, you know, maybe that, maybe that will, uh, will assuage some of those things. But I just think also that the reaction was just way over the top. I mean, they're acting like this person lied under oath in Congress. I mean, it, uh, believe me, like, I love sports. I, you know, worshipped athletes growing up. And I, want, I wanted to be a sports reporter for the longest time. That's part of the reason why I started this podcast. But, you know... As I heard somebody else say, I think it was Joel Palmer, uh, uh, Joel Palmieri from uh, uh, from the Big Jab here in Maine. He's a radio uh, radio host. He said it's not like they're reporting from the Gaza Strip or from the White House. You know what I mean? Like this isn't life and death. And I talked about this on the last pod. This is sports we're talking about. All right, nobody is nobody is losing um, their life usually you know, over what's reported on a sideline. Obviously there have been instances we talked about, I believe uh, his name was uh, Mike, Mike Johnson. We, you know, we talked about DeMar Hamlin. Obviously there are instances where it is critical that facts be portrayed positively, but I don't think Thompson would have lied about something like that, right? If she goes out there and doesn't get a quote from a coach and says, you know, coach said we need to be better on third down or coach said we need to be better on special teams then chances are that's probably what coach would have said. And also, how many times have you heard a cliche-ridden speech from a coach at halftime? A hundred times, like literally every game. I've been a Patriots fan my whole life. You think Belichick ever says anything insightful to anybody? Probably not. So like, yes, it's a bad look and something she probably should not have admitted. Uh, And she's since walked it back, which means that she knows it was a stupid thing to say. But it's not like she's admitting to lying, you know, to her husband about this or to her family about that or in front of Congress. I mean, there's a lot of other things you could stretch the truth on or embellish or lie about that are way worse than maybe telling a little fib about what Andy Reid said to you at halftime. So I just think the reaction has been a little bit over the top, but... You know, I, I respect those people's opinions and where they're coming from. They don't want it to look like they do the same thing. So I understand that. Um, it just seems like of all the things to be upset about, this is not one of them. In fact, leading me to my next thing, two baseball notes that are way more worthy of being upset about than what somebody said in an interview on Barstool. First off, the Oakland A's have basically left. They've, they're already packed up. I mean, they're going to leave Oakland. It's over. 
they're going to move to Vegas. I've talked about this on a previous pod. I think it's a horrible move for the league. Um, it did not have to be this way. It was a choice. Decline is a choice, right? It is not. It is not inevitable. They could have figured some. Excuse me. They could have figured something out if they wanted to. They truly had the will. I think that Oakland, the Oakland A's are a strong enough fan base where that could have worked. Now I understand that San Francisco has certain rights to other parts of the Bay Area, and with regard to the Giants, and that was going to be hard for Oakland to move elsewhere in the Bay Area. Um, but it is a sad day to be a baseball fan. The Bay Area series is mostly known for the earthquake, but it was a tremendous World Series um, in terms of drama because of those, team, those two teams playing with each other. You had, you know, Will Clark and Dennis Eckersley and all these great players that were part of that rivalry. Um, and then, of course, the Oakland A's and their, their Moneyball um, story that was made into a movie with Brad Pitt. I mean, there's a lot of history there with Oakland, and I didn't even scratch the surface. So it's just a sad day um, for for baseball and for the Oakland A's. Um, and without getting into my Vegas soapbox, um, I just, you know, I think there's other cities in this, in this, uh, country and in, in, even in Canada, frankly, that, um, would have been a better spot for a, um, a MLB franchise. And unfortunately they're following the money and that money's leaving, leaving them to Vegas. Um, the golden Knights weren't an expansion team, right? Nobody, um, was, uh, Nobody, no fan base was dissolved as a result. Uh, but you've seen what happened to the Oakland Raiders, and now the Oakland A's are both going to Vegas. So I guess it makes sense if you're hoping that you can keep some Oakland fans who might be Raider fans and A's fans. Um, but it's just a sad day for that franchise and for the sport, in my humble opinion. All right, a uh, couple other quick things. News broke yesterday that. The uh, MLB All-Star Game is going to be in Atlanta in 2025. Now, I'm not going to try. I'm going to try not to get political here because it's something I don't like to do. But when you move an All-Star Game in 2021 because of a voting law, all right, um, maybe it was 2022. I honestly don't remember. I think it was 2021, actually. It was uh, President Biden's first term in office, first year in office. When you move that because you believe a voting law is discriminatory and that voting law doesn't change, the voting, I mean, the laws in Georgia are still the same. And then you go back there four years later and after caving to pressure to move and the law hasn't changed, then either one of two things is happening. You're either ignoring it because it's no longer advantageous in the public opinion, meaning people have already gotten over that outrage. Um, you know, no matter how you feel about it, there was a sense of outrage that Major League Baseball moved it or could possibly still have it there in 2021. So either they believe that they've moved past that outrage and that nobody will pay attention as closely anymore. Or the second thing is that they knew it was sort of a stupid move to begin with and wasn't going to impact anything. And now they've just believed, like option one, that enough time has passed and nobody will care. And that they basically just did it for appeasement. So it's just a bad, much like, um, Charissa Thompson talking, Carissa Thompson talking about lying on, 
lying on the uh, sideline. It's just not a it, no matter how you feel about it, it just seems like a gives me a little bit of look that people are just pandering out there. And sports fans are smart enough to understand when somebody's pandering to them, especially baseball fans and especially baseball fans in that part of the country. A lot of people think the New York Yankees or the LA Dodgers are America's team. I would argue that the Atlanta Braves are pretty much America's team. If you think about how many states get their television um, programming and how many states in the Southeast don't have a baseball team, and therefore, you know, we talk about expansion teams. There's a lot of places like Nashville and Charlotte where there's probably a huge contingent of Braves fans because there's not another team. And so, like, they're America's team, and baseball fans are smart. And so when you try to pull one over on them, they're going to remember. And the last thing I'll say about this is, again, no matter how you feel about it, right, this is the true fact. Probably one of the most influential African-American baseball players in the history of the, in the history of sports was Hank Aaron. He broke a white man's record during, I believe, the ni- early 1970s in a period where there was still a lot of, you know, overt racism in this country. And he broke Babe Ruth's record. He's, in my opinion, the true home run king. And he passed away in early 2021, I believe. Might have been late 2020. Either way, he passed away before that season. And that all-star game in Atlanta for the franchise that he played for, the Braves, would have been a monumental opportunity to honor him in his first year. And, you know, they moved it because they were worried about a discriminatory voting law. And, like, again, no matter how you feel about that, that's what happened. But what also happened is they forewent an opportunity to honor Hank Aaron in the year after his passing, and that is a national travesty if you're a baseball fan, that they were that they forewent that opportunity Um just to then move it back there four years. And basically, much like Live Golf and the PGA, come to the conclusion that none of it really mattered in the first place. And that pisses me off that they can try and pull one over on fans and in the meantime, basically, you know, give away all of the credibility they could have had over the situation and rob fans of a true opportunity and just like kicking people out of the PGA only to let them back in, letting Atlanta lose the All-Star game, and basically having Atlanta-based artists still sing the national anthem and do the intro and all this stuff in Colorado, and then not have Aaron be honored after his death is a just surreal moment in just thinking about how monumentally they screwed up. That's all I'm going to say about that. And the last thing. All right, this is a quick thing too that's just bothering me today. I, maybe this Friday afternoon show has turned into what's Will venting about sports. Um, but news broke today that on February sixteenth, the the Patriots dynasty video, and I believe I have the book behind me. It's one of those uh, black books. I think I'll point to it here um, that I have behind me. Uh, it was it was a book by Jeff Benedict. Apple uh, unveiled earlier in the year that they were going to make a docu-series about it. And then they revealed the trailer and the release date today. And, you know, it's going to feature Brady, Belichick, and Kraft. It's going to feature probably some other players and maybe even Benedict himself. I'm not sure. It was only a 30-second trailer. Um, And they've already hinted that it's going to be a lot about the breakup of the three. Um, But I think it's going to be a good – I think it's going to be a good program. 
But immediately, what I what I see on social media, and again, social media is a funhouse mirror. It does not does not uh, represent everybody. But people were like, "Well, it's too early. It's not going to be as good as the Last Dance." It hasn't even come out yet. You've seen a twenty nine second ad about it. How do you know if it's going to be as good as the Last Dance? And what do you mean it's been too early, or it's not been long enough, or it's been too early? They won their first Super Bowl in the spring of 2002. It's 2024 when it comes out, 22 years after their first title. It's, it will have been five since they last won a Super Bowl together. It, what do you mean it's too early? Like, we are still talking about it right now. It, you have to strike while the iron is hot. And right now, people care about it. Because there's a big discussion about Belichick and his future here. And maybe by the time it comes out, we'll know more about Belichick's future here. There's going to be, you know, a lot of talk then. I think it will come out, uh, I think, the week after the Super Bowl. So football will still be on everyone's mind. And, you know, these streaming services aren't going to last forever. People are saying, oh, well, it's like if the Last Dance came out in 03. Well, in 03, you still did get Netflix DVDs mailed to you. All right, it's a completely different world. Again, you have to strike while the iron is hot. And what do you mean it's not going to be as good as the last dance? Again, it hasn't even come out yet. Can we just enjoy it for what it lasts? And look, I know this is probably a small percentage of the people, but and I know there's Patriots fatigue out there, and there's Brady fatigue out there. But just because it comes out in February doesn't mean you have to watch it in February. We live in a free country. You know, it's like, my goodness, guys, can you just let them release a 29 second trailer without pissing all over the thing? I mean, really, just let it play out. And I think if, if, if you love sports and I love sports, we'll probably enjoy it. And ultimately, this is my thesis today. Just just let people enjoy sports. All right. Like we've talked a lot. Like Cooper Flag is a villain because he's going to Duke. Why? Because he's a white kid. Carissa Thompson's horrible. Why? Because she admitted on a bro podcast that she lied occasionally about interviews with coaches. The Oakland A's must move to Vegas. Why? Because greedy politicians in the league decided that it would be more advantageous for Vegas to get a team. Not to mention that bozo of an owner. Oh, well, Atlanta is getting the All-Star game back. All is rectified. No, they still gave away the opportunity for Hank Aaron to have his uh, posthumous moment with the baseball world. And lastly, the Pats released the documentary. Oh my goodness. Guys, it, it, it's, it's going to be fine. And guess what? If you don't have Apple TV, it's probably going to be syndicated at some point in the future. Or de- made into a DVD. I mean, really. Can we all just chill for a second? Apple TV will also give you a give you a seven-day trial. And I know most of us have iPhones. So anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. If you're listening to us over the weekend, as always, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that be on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can also follow us on social at HomeFieldPod on both Twitter and Instagram. But until next time, again, hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in to my rant. Uh, But you've been listening to a new episode of Home Field Advantage. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider 
including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. Be sure to also check us out two times a week on those platforms, on Monday and on Thursday. All of the Sportland USA programs are independent, and the opinions expressed in them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.